Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Can you say hard hats, folks? Hard hats, lunch pails, steel to a boot? Anything short of a championship this year is a failure. Look know. at this boomer right here. You've just got so much talent here. Somebody said we need to apologize for Jalen. Can I pose it, John? What are we apologizing for? What did we say? What did we do? Uh-uh, uh-uh. There he is. Here's my guy. Music. Love that theme music. Yeah, that's that's our that's our. I'm supposed to continue it with the rolling, but I don't know what he's doing. He's he must be sleeping over there. I'm it, but anyways, it's all good. Ashraf Blakely joining me. There it is. There it is. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Ashraf Blakely in the house. Jimmy Toscano in the house. Don't Boston. start rapping, Jimmy. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm gonna because I, I see yeah because I see you kind of you like yeah. yeah. Shroud is in the house. Jimmy's in- Stop. Stop. Don't let, me, don't let me get the bars going. Don't let me get the bars going. Is that what they say? Anyways, 133-129 Celtics. Kind of squeaked one out here, Shroud. We didn't we didn't expect a close one, I guess, tonight. But um, the way this game started, I think you got to be happy with the way it ended. A really good second half by the Celtics, especially that third quarter. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, get, we'll get all into it. A. Shiraz at the game. Bobby Manning is at the game. John Zanis is on uh, load management. Josue Pavone, I think I'm, I think it must be date night for Josue. We're not really sure. <laughs> uh, rumor is he had a late one with uh, with our, with our good friend Ahmed too. So we'll see what's going on with that. Oh I boy, to, I, I have to call him enough. I don't that. want those. I don't want those two to get together. That, there's nothing good can happen. No, nothing too good. But um, it's all good for us over here. It's uh. Uh, another win for the Celtics, and again they made it. They made it. Uh, they made it fun. We'll, we'll, we'll say that they made it fun for the fans at the Garden tonight, the TD Garden. I think you went into this one with maybe low expectations for the uh, um, fun factor. Thought maybe there was a blow up potential, but give the Wizards credit. They they came out gunning tonight. They came out yeah. strong, playing playing co- full court. You know, back and forth, running, um, playing mm-hmm. aggressive off Celtics misses, and I think it took the Celtics a little bit to adjust their offensive game plan because it looked like instead of in the first half when they could have been attacking a lot more in the paint they were settling a little bit for some threes yeah the, the shots were not falling and when they did go when they did go low down low Sherrod, they had success and it, and it started with our our good friend uh kp Kristaps Porzingis. he was a matchup that was they just had no answer for and, and you, i mean there were times where you saw he get the ball on an elbow or in a block, and he looks behind him, and it's like freaking Tyus Jones, and it's just like, you know, feast time. I mean, snacks, cupcakes. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, he he had the mismatch. It seemed pretty much every possession. Uh, he finished the game with I think like thirty points, but he could have easily had another fifteen or twenty. Uh, and to your point, Jimmy, I, the thing that jumped out to me, and you, you, the word to me was aggressive. I thought Washington was aggressive at both ends of the floor. Uh, they're not 
the most talented team in the league. Obviously, we only got nine wins on the season, 42 losses. But they came with an aggressive mindset, and they didn't allow the Celtics to just kind of waltz down and do whatever they wanted to do at either end of the floor. Uh, and, and so if you're Washington, that's the silver lining that you take from this. And if you're the Celtics – there was never a point where you felt that they had this Washington team on their backs and done out for the count. Uh, even though the third quarter was good and they were able to go up by as many as 15, it still didn't feel as though they had this game done and over with. It felt like they were in control, but it did not feel like it was over. And Washington, to their credit, you know, they kept hanging in there, scrapping, uh, tr- you know, making plays, making shots uh, that kept them in the game. And, and so, you know, if you're the Celtics, you just want to get a win out of this game. Get a win and get your guys healthy. Uh, two things I did not like about this game, though, was the Celtics' transition defense. Washington got too many damn layups in transition. It's like 36 to 18 in fast break points. And I didn't like I the fact that – Yeah, and I think Tatum played damn almost 40 minutes. Uh, I think it was like 38, 39, something like that, against a team with nine wins – I didn't. Tatum's minutes should be lower. Jalen's minutes should be lower. They should have had one of those games where no one cracked more than 30 minutes or so. But give Washington credit. It forced Joe Mazzullo to play his guys their normal minutes. And this was a game that if you're the Celtics in a perfect world, in an ideal world, you're going to be able to cut back a little bit on your core guys' minutes. And they just weren't able to do that because Washington never was out of the game to where or at a position where the Celtics pretty much had it wrapped up. That just didn't happen to the final. But. Yeah, and again, you know, I, what did they have? Eighteen fast break points in that first quarter. The Wizards did. Yeah, they, they were they were getting out in the break. They were just capitalizing on Celtics misses. And I thought I think the Celtics again. And I didn't want to start on a negative note because they did win this game. But there was there was some things to like in this game, and there were certainly some things to, to not like. Mm-hmm. And this was looking like another example of a Celtics team that was kind of playing with their food a little bit that was not taking the opponent seriously. And it's easy to look at the Wizards and say, yeah, I'm not going to take you seriously. You're, you're led by Jordan Poole and yeah. you know, Kuzma and those, no offense, or a little bit of offense, but um, you know, they, the Wizards uh, had a couple guys tonight. Let me, let, who is this guy? Kispert, man. He was all over the place. He might've been the best guy. On he, the was a, he was a, he was the best player. But the thing is he, he's one of those guys that again, for him, he a lot of his success came about by playing off of other guys. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Jordan Poole, you look at, you know, Kuzma, those guys are going to be, you know, the focal points. But, you know, Pittsburgh, right. I mean, he did what he did in Gonzaga. I mean, he was a shot maker. Yeah. Uh, that's no, he, he, he does. And he was knocking down shots. He's got good size. He, in, you know, in many respects, he's kind of like their version of Sam Hauser, although I think Sam is actually a little bit more athletic. Uh, then Damn, this this Kispert guy was doing stuff I've never seen he, Sam Howard do. He could just knock down shots. He was just knocking down shots. Jimmy, yeah. he wasn't he was doing like, anything. He was, he was, no, he, he he had some nice moves to the baskets tonight too. I got to give him a little bit of credit. And then Koulibaly, you know, a guy that um I think's got a good future in this league. Obviously, he's going to be nice. Care, but yeah, exactly. I mean, he seems you know he's still coming in his own a little bit. But the growth I think that he's shown um, yeah. to start there. So. Wizards have a, a nice little thing going there. And I said, I think, I think they got punched in the mouth a little bit to start this game off. And mm-hmm. I imagine Joe lit into them at halftime because the way that they closed that second quarter, Sherrod, that second quarter, that was pathetic. That I was mean, weak. that was nothing short of pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Joe has every reason to rip them for that because it's inexcusable. You know, you have been the best team at home all season long. This is one of the worst teams, not just in the East, but in the NBA. 
Uh, and there you are, like, you know, basically, you know, trying, you know, to, to get back to the game and, and stay w- within striking distance. Oh, and that should never happen. I mean, you shouldn't need a damn Peyton Pritchard half court prayer uh, to, to make it, you know, relatively close game at that point. Uh, so, no, nah, this was again. You are. That's I'm OK, Jimmy. You, I, I, you, 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 you've been blurry all your life, Jimmy. It's OK. You see my guy, though. We got Chelsea, we got to get Chelsea to get me a better webcam. This guy's skimping over here. But um, let me ask you a question, Gerard. What's the word to describe when the Celtics put in a performance like this? Is it concerned? Is it annoyed? Is it disappointed? Is it angry? Is it is it ap- like do you do you not care? I mean, because there's been a few of these now, and they're starting, I think, to show themselves a little bit more often than they did, let's say, the first quarter, first half, first third of the of the season. As I return here, to, to, mm-hmm. to everyone can see my beautiful face now. Um, what what is it? Is, yeah, somebody in the comments says bored. Uh, you know, are they bored? Or or really want to know is what are what are your feelings? Not you know what they are. Well, when when I see them have games like this, my my first thought is just um, lethargic. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't give a f. Uh, we we don't have to play our A game to beat these guys. We don't even have to play our B or C game. Uh, this was I, I couldn't even call this an average game for the Celtics. I mean, this was they did not do as many good things as you want. They, they had the one matchup that they could have absolutely milked all game long, and that's whoever was guarding Porzingis. And they did they did a decent amount of that, but it felt like they could have done more. Uh, it took Tatum a while to get going, and he and the thing about Tatum, his numbers look great, but if you watch him play in the first half, ugh. uh, it was not pretty. And, and I'm yeah. not sure what's going on with Jalen. Uh, Jalen was really good. Uh, shot making. I thought his defense was good. And then the ball just stopped coming his way and, and he was on the bench uh, just resting. And I, when Jalen is having a highly efficient game and he's getting other guys involved, I want him out there a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I thought he could have played a, f- a couple more minutes than he wound up playing. Uh, but if, at the end of the day, if you're the Celtics, did we get the win? Check. Did we uh, get through this game healthy? Check. Uh, and once you can check those two boxes off, really everything else is just Water under the bridge. You mentioned Jalen. I thought it was it was an interesting uh, Jalen night tonight because up until late in the game, he didn't even take a three pointer in this one shot, and he has been sh- and he missed it. Uh, he has been struggling from three uh, over the last mm-hmm. handful of games here, and I thought he made a point tonight to try to score just in the paint, mid range game. You know, kind of, which he's been effective at all year. Yeah. He's he's been really good shooting mm-hmm. from and scoring and you know from from inside the three so i don't know mm-hmm. if he's just saying you know what, i'm gonna i'm gonna play to my strengths right now i'm not i'm not gonna force threes i'm gonna take what you know uh i can get inside there and and yeah. be a good that thing. now still you know and we got over here a minus 15 in this one so not the number you want to see mm-hmm. um obviously wasn't a part of that you know third quarter um comeback that they had that nice little stretch run they had led by mm-hmm. again i think it was like that was a lot of tatum we'll get into tatum in a little bit but mm-hmm. you mentioned brown and i just thought it was worth mentioning that nine and 15 no free throws and one three mm-hmm. point so 15 field goals tonight from inside the three-point line that that is rare to say the least i'm it more is. likely to see 15 three-point attempts than 15 mm-hmm. two-point attempts yeah yeah and and it was a clear you know effort on his part to just Take what the defense gives you. And they're so afraid, and most teams are, of, you know, Jalen getting all the way to the rim that he was just selling on the mid-range, which is great for him because he could knock that shot down. Uh, He was another guy that they had trouble Washington at his guard again. 
and Jalen wisely took the shots that he was able to get and didn't uh, bail them out defensively and just take threes. Uh, Tatum was a little bit more balanced in terms of his shot selection. He took 22 shots, 10 of them were threes. So you're talking, you know, pretty fairly balanced uh, equality in terms of two-pointers versus three-pointers. But, you know, Jalen, even though he was minus 15, I really liked what I saw out of him today. Um, I, I like the shot selection. Uh, I like the fact that defensively, you know, he 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 made some really nice plays, got in guys' face, crowded them, forced them to take some contested shots that, you know, were misses or air balls. I thought it, it, this is one of those games where the plus minus doesn't really, I think, reflect the way he played. Like they were not horrible when Jalen was on the floor tonight. I thought they were pretty good. Uh, it's just that Washington, he, he just. There's one of those stretches where Washington was knocking out lots of shots when he was out there, and it wasn't necessarily his guy, but he was part of the unit that that was happening right. with. So, okay. I mean, um, they went on I, that quick that quick run at the end of the second quarter. There was it like nine zero just right. in the second quarter, and then mm-hmm. it was you know it was it was a streaky game for sure. That that second half, the Celtics went on their runs. They had multiple. I think they went like eight two run, maybe it was like twelve mm-hmm. two something like that in the in the third, and they were able to right. flip that score right around. I mean that's. That's what good teams do against bad teams. And you, you didn't think or you probably didn't expect the Wizards to be able to keep up that pace that they were on right. and that aggressiveness for a full 48. Right. Got to give them credit for hanging in there and for giving it all they had. But at the end of the day, talent wins out. And this Wizards team is just nowhere near where the Celtics team is. We've mm-hmm. talked about talked about um, um, Porzingis off the top. And I do want to talk about Porzingis again in a bit. But Tatum tonight, a little bit of a tale of two halves. First half, yeah. you, me- you mentioned the struggling. I absolutely loved second half Tatum tonight. Aggressive. That was – yeah. Yeah. I mean, aggressive, driving to the hoop, throwing it down, and not just not just aggressive scoring, but how many assists did he end up with? Eight assists, and these were nice passes. These weren't just little, yeah. here you go. I mean, he was seeing the court well. He had a couple of nice passes to Drew Holiday, who made some good cuts. Really nice one where he drove to the rim and then kicked it back out. I forget who hit the three. It might have been Porzingis. I think it was. But when he's aggressive and driving to the rim, that forces defenses to collapse on him. And then guys are open. It's really what it comes down to. When it's just yeah. him or when it's player, when it's him or whoever it is, player B, focusing too much on that three-point step-back fadeaway that never goes in. That's when teams get the opposing teams get the ball in transition and they score in transition, and that's how you get your 18 point, uh, 18 fast break points in the first quarter. As soon as they switched it up offensively and they made a conscious effort to take it to this Wizards team that does not have an interior presence whatsoever, and you knew that that was that was the game plan tonight. It had to be because the other thing I want to get into, Shrad, and I'll let you touch on Tatum, but I want to get into Porzingis right after that because they really focused on him, but but. The difference between Tatum first half and second half, second half tonight. Huge. I mean, it, it, it was really – it literally was a tale of two halves with Tatum. Uh, offensively, I, I thought he was trying to deliver the knockout punch a little too much in the first half, thinking that, you know, if I knock down this three, this will this will – this will do it. They'll fall. They'll falter. Uh, but in the second half, he di- he did exactly what your best player is supposed to do. Uh, make sure you everyone else eats before you – so that when it comes to the end of the night, you got all you can feast. 
you can take over. And he did that. I, I, his ability to suck in that Wizards defense and spray the balls to different guys, whether it's Drew Holiday, you know, whether Sam, uh, you know, Hauser, whether whoever it was, Jalen Brown, it didn't matter. He was getting the ball to all of his teammates, and that softened up that 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 Wizards defense, which is already soft to begin with, so that he's able to go downhill and finish at the rim with the left hand. He's able to get easy dunks, uh, get the ball on the block, and, and force their defense to react to what you've already done. And it, it kept Washington in the second half. They were just never able to get any kind of flow or rhythm on how to contain Tatum and how to make him a non-factor. Because the thing that he continues to evolve into, he is becoming a multi talented impact player offensively he's right. getting away from just being a guy that shoots threes and gets buck gets uh points that way he's being he's becoming more of a assist guy a hockey assist guy uh you know joe Missoula, as we know he likes to take take pride in those potential assists you know a yeah. lot of those those potential assists that you know that we've been talking about with tatum and brown those are still they be, actually became assists uh guys were knocking down shots and and, and again this, because it is Wizards defense, it is what it is. Guys were knocking down open shots. And that's one of the things that sometimes yeah. frustrates people with Jason is that if he just looks to pass a little bit more than he has historically, he's going to find guys are wide open. And I think right now he's kind of in this flow where he's doing exactly that. He's looking for guys uh, who are in position to knock down shots. You know, and one of those guys, you know, I thought tonight, and we'll talk about him later, maybe, but Drew Holiday, this is one of the better games we've seen Drew in terms of shot making in a while. Um, but Tatum, again, when your best player has a feed everyone else mentality and does that early on, you're going to have nights where you're not going to be able to, to shoot it as well as you want consistently, but you're going to make sure that your team is not totally taken out of the game because you're making sure everyone else is involved. Right. And I mean, he could have fallen into bad, Tatum could have fallen into bad habits again and just continue to force that three in that second half. But instead he got, he just went into like that killer mentality, that killer mode where he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to work my way to the basket. I'm better than you. I'm quicker than you. I have better handle than you. And I can finish at the rim. And yeah. that's like the unlocked Jason Tatum, you know? He's still going to take his three-pointers. And I don't want him to not take threes anymore. I'd like him to take better threes more often than he does. But the fact that he can just switch into that other attack mode, yeah. That opens things up, like you said, for everybody else. Now Drew Holiday is getting wide open threes because defenses are, are collapsing on guys like Tatum or Brown and when he's, you know, being aggressive. Now Porzingis is getting wide open looks. And, um, you know, that's just – and obviously, uh, you know, Derek White, who had more of a quiet night tonight, but typically mm -hmm. he's benefiting benefiting greatly um, when those guys are being aggressive. Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you what, the guy who benefited most tonight, Sherrod, not just tonight. This has been a trend over the last handful of games now. And I've been calling for it. I've been calling for it all year. You traded for this guy in the offseason, Kristaps Porzingis. Figure out a way to utilize this guy as early and as often as you possibly can. He's he's your cheat code out there. Mm -hmm. He's a seven-footer who can score from all over, literally all over, 3.18 feet, 15 mm -hmm. feet, 3 feet. Wherever you put him, he's going to be able to score over the defender. Tonight they made a point. It was one on the if you if you had access to that Celtics locker room before the game, one on the top list, feed Porzingis. That had to have been the top thing, and they did it. I get you got to give them credit. They 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 exploited the mismatch uh, for Porzingis. Eighteen field goal attempts tonight. That doesn't even tell a story. He went to the line fourteen times. The guy took way more shots than the eighteen that you see 
uh, on the box score. And another credit to where it's due, 14 of 14 from the line, 34 points, 11 rebounds. Um, he's been everything and more this team needs. But when you look at the recent – you look at recently what his production has been, 18 field goals tonight, 19 last last game, 17 before that, 15, 17. The last handful of games, Sherrod, they're really making a point. And then a couple after that, 21. So they're finally starting to say, oh, that's right. We have this guy on our team, you know, and it's not mm-hmm. just Tatum and Brown, Tatum and Brown. You're now giving this, you know, a very, very capable, quote unquote, third option. Some people might even say he's the second option on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he's showing them why. I mean, it's to me, it's 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 just nice to see that finally happening. It took a little bit, but it's not too late, at least. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you, you knew it was going to take them some time to just really get into a flow and rhythm and and frankly, understand how to utilize them. I mean, remember, this is a the core of this group has been together for a minute. And Porzingis is the new guy still yeah. coming in. And, and I know that he's had now, what, 50 games or so to be with these guys. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about a group that has competed at the highest of levels for years. They've got, you know, way more than 50 semi games like Tatum and and, and Jalen, you know, it wasn't like they were clicking in the first, at the first 50 games that they played together. It took them some time. Uh, So Porzingis, I I think is, is finally comfortable uh, taking on a little bit more of an offensive load, because I think when he came here, he looked around and like, and like most of us, and he says, Tatum, first team, all NBA, Jalen, second team all NBA, 20 shots there, 18 shots there. Maybe I'll hit double figures. Uh, but clearly that's not enough because he has so much more he can offer, so much more that he can give to the game. And the Celtics are doing a little bit better job of taking advantage of that. Because yeah, think about this. Kyle Kuzma was a starting center. He's 6'9". So the guy that Porzingis is essentially being defended by early on, he's got a five-inch advantage over that guy right and when and when you (laughs) and when you start running switches and you get guys like Tyus Jones guarding him you've got like a damn foot on this guy uh I I, frankly I think they should have got Porzingis a ball even more than they did and 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 they're making an effort to do that but he is as Jimmy as you pointed out he really is a cheat code for them uh, he's the one guy that pretty much every night they play, he's going to have a mismatch on offense. And because of the way they are on one string defensively, he's not going to be a liability at the other end of the floor. Uh, there's some guys that obviously are going to give him problems because they give all guys, all bigs problems. But for the most part, Porzingis has done a decent job defensively. Uh, he's coming into his own as an offensive scoring threat. And he becomes one more problem that when teams are game planning against the Celtics, they've got to get, pay close attention to because the, the Celtics, basically they're starting five. You've got five guys who can go for 30 on any given yeah. night. There's very few teams that you, that you can look at and say, they've got five guys, all five guys in the starting lineup can go for 30 and it would not be a surprise. It would not be. And that's, and Porzingis is one of those guys and Porzingis is the one guy that typically has the most decisive, mismatch and it's it's good to see the Celtics recognizing that uh and and again getting great value out of that facts my dog we gotta um we have a uh clip that we want to put up right now this is um talking about that second half sort of switch that the Celtics who's, who's talking is it Joe it's Joe it's Joe uh, I think Gary asked him the question on you know what did he say in the locker room to these guys to, to switch things up okay 
Let's see if Ahmed well, is queuing it. Or how do you allow 42 in the fourth after 16 in the third? What, what happened defensively in the fourth? They had seven threes. What happened defensively in the fourth? They shot 43%. A team that doesn't usually shoot that well shot 43% from three. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what did you say to them at halftime? Uh, I showed him the 10 points in transition that I thought were effort-based. And that was it. And how do you... And I told a couple jokes in the third quarter. Minus Sharon. Let's hear the jokes. No, pretty inappropriate jokes. Okay. Oh, damn. <laughs> so broke the tension because we were playing with the expectation of why is the game going the way it's going right now instead of just enjoying the fact that the, this is a game, so we should just compete. Are so you guys we, playing damn. tight? I'm not playing tight. Um, but the expectation of what how we think things should be. So I'm not, not playing tight. There were some good jokes, though. I'm sure they were. I'm sure I'm, sure I'm off the record with you. Okay. Aw, see, there we go. Look hey, at that there, smile. There, there's weird Joe again. Amit, get me out of this thing. I like that Joe. I like that. That's not weird Joe. That's the Joe I like. That's. I like that Joe. You see the smile afterwards? I'll, sh- I'll share that joke I can't with you tell, later. I can't, I can't tell if it's a if it's a I like you smile or I'll tell it to you later, like right before I, I kill you. Type kill you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the murder. That's, the, the murderous yeah. smile. It's a murder. It's a very mischievous smile. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not really sure about that one. Well, I don't know. If you, but you, but you, the, the, the last thing you see you, is that smile. Right, right. But Joe, <laughs> the one point he made that I, I think was really spot on was he – this is an atypical shooting night for Washington from three-point range. They're one of the bottom five teams in the NBA in terms of three-point percentage. And they shot, you know, better than 40. Uh, when a team is having a night like that, it's going to be a closer game than expected because they're doing things above and beyond their typical run-of-the-mill type of game, which is what you expect when a team is 9-42. and 42. So, I – so Joe, I, I and I, I I give them a little bit of credit for not being lulled into trying to jack their way back into the game. Like the right. Celtics took 34 threes, which is a low number for them. You know, particularly against a team that is shooting lots of threes and making a lot of threes. Uh, we've we've seen time and time again where they'll see a team make a couple threes in a row, and all of a sudden they're not even trying to swing the ball and try to get in any type of motion action and get a good shot. They're just trying to jack threes to try to. You know, if you can make threes, I can too. They didn't right. get lulled into that, which was good to see because it, I know there, there were a couple of possessions where Tatum, I was pleasantly surprised where he passed up a shot, three-point shot, instead of which would have a good shot. Instead, he tried to get a great one. Uh, and to me, a great one for anyone is a wide-open shot. Uh, and, and they were able to get a decent amount of those uh, because of their ability to keep the ball moving. I like that Joe at least uh, called them out for the for the effort based uh, points that they gave up, Sherrod. I mean, I think we all we all that was if you never played basketball in your life or knew anything about basketball, you could just be like, something's right, something's not right there. That was too easy for the for those guys to score the way that they did, and so I. In that situation, I mean, you really don't have to say much, right? I mean, if you if you play the clip, these guys watch themselves lollygagging back on defense right. or or just half-assing it up the court or even down the court, you're going to be able to say, okay, yeah, like we we, we got to stop playing like assholes. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they did. And they, they were – and it wasn't just one guy either. I mean, early on, there were multiple guys who just – you could tell that their effort, their focus, their energy, whatever the hell you want to call it, it just wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, and, and that being said – you know, it says a lot about how bad this Wizards team was because even mm-hmm. when they were playing a collective, like basically, you know, walkthrough 
in 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 an actual game, they were right there. They were they were. I mean, the, for the first in the first half, like neither team was able to lead by more than seven points. It wasn't until the third quarter that the Celtics started breaking it open and and someone took a double digit lead. So this was a game that the Celtics, like I say. They just weren't very good in the first half, and, and a lot of it was their own. It was wasn't anything Washington was doing as much as it was them simply not locking in the way they need to, the way they're capable of. We saw more of that in the second half. We didn't see as much as I would have liked, but we saw more of it in the second half, and they were able to get, come out of here and get and get the win. A game that was even with them kind of recalibrating in the second half. This game shouldn't have been a four point game. No, and you, and um. I think the difference, you know, listen, when you're when you're the Celtics and you're playing the Wizards, you kind of know that you can get away with with playing the way that you're playing because you assume that you can just flip the switch and turn it on and play like you did in the second half and win the game. That's fine and dandy. They're right. They can do that. But my yeah. problem with it has been, and this is the first time it's happened this season, it's happened a few times. Right. My problem with that has been against a good team, there is no comeback like that. There, there is no ability to you can you can you can turn it up a notch or two and, and compete but you can't expect to turn a you know 10 point deficit into a 15 point lead against a playoff caliber team and if you get into those habits where you're taking plays off you're taking quarters off you're coming out slow or maybe you know you're you you're not too up on the opponent where enough where you're fired up enough to play they punch you in the mouth they're just going to keep punching. They're not going to, they, yeah. they are going to, they are going to be talented to hold on to that lead. Unlike a team like the Wizards who you won't see in, you know, June or May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but the thing is they don't really have a problem getting up for good teams. Uh, they've no, they had don't. one, they've had one or two hiccups this year, but for the most part, the better the team they play, the better they actually play. And, and a lot of it has to do with their focus. I, I think they're at a point now where, they're anxious to get to the playoffs, but they know that the playoffs, it's a journey to, to get there. And they're not quite through the journey or to the point in the journey where they need to be locking in on that. So they need teams like Milwaukee and Philadelphia, yeah. teams that are at, at that upper echelon in the East to play, not just to get a gauge of where they stack up against it, but just to keep them building that muscle memory to have the kind of focus that you're going to need in the postseason. Uh, they're yeah. going to have games where Teams are going to make way more shots than they normally do. Are you going to have enough focus and, and wherewithal to, to transition and, and recalibrate what you need to do out there so that you can not allow the game to get out of hand? Uh, that's, uh, again, it, it's something that they're definitely um, so then does it it's matter? something to watch. Does it matter then if it's just they, they get it for the big games anyways? Do we, do we, how, like, how do we, how do we, think or talk about a game like this or another or a game against another bad team where this is going to happen do we care we do care and we, we care because you still have to stack the w so that you can get home court advantage you and with you if you've got the best record at home this year which they do uh behind them is denver denver's like 21 and 4 uh at, at home and, and celtics slightly percentage points better than them uh in their building you want to continue to keep that uh because that is something that you it's probably going to win you a series at some point in the playoffs. You're going to have a best of seven and that game seven is going to be in your building. And that home court advantage may very well be what gets you over the hump out of that series and onto the next one. So it's important that you win these type of games against teams you're supposed to. Now, how you do it, 
not as important. But what I look for in these type of games, I look for the Peyton Pritchards, the Sam Housers, the Al Horfers, the guys that are part of their rotation but aren't necessarily counted on to deliver big games. I look for them to make the most of these opportunities uh, because they're the ones that, uh, you know, you you want them to be able to hit the ground running. And the right. only way I think you can really do that is get reps and get opportunities uh, so that when you do get your opportunity in the playoffs, even if it may be for a limited amount of time, you've got enough confidence and you've got enough swag about you where I may only get, you know, these next four minutes, but I'm going to get like six points. I'm going to make a steal. I'm going to do something that's going to help the team because when I was getting like 10, 12, 15 minutes in a regular season, I didn't waste time. I didn't allow the game to come to me. When you're a bench player, you can't do that. you got to go out there and get yours, especially when you're coming – subbing in for a guy like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or, or Porzingis. So uh, I think these type of games are really Im- important for the guys that are kind of, you know, on the edges of what you do and what your core is. Uh, but for Jason Tatum, for Jalen Brown, this was just, you know, been there, done that, do this in my sleep. I mean, this yeah. is who they are. I mean, I mean, I mean, Tatum had a damn near triple double tonight. Yeah, no. Uh, and he basically he basically carried did got did most of his damage in two quarter really the third quarter. Yeah. Fourth, I mean that, that, that third quarter was basically yeah. him, him saying, Yeah, like I'm still Jason Tatum. I think he had 13, yeah. 13 in that quarter. A couple again, a couple nice passes. Um he was the the he was the reason, you know, reason behind that that comeback that they that they made in that third quarter. Mm-hmm. Somebody commented at the beginning of the show. Chris S. Porzingis would be a good futures bet for NBA Finals MVP. I don't think you can make that bet yet. Oh, this isn't even the one. This episode is brought to you by Tic Tac. Minty, refreshing, classic. And it's not just the Tic Tac mints. It's the new track by Canise with beats that'll leave you feeling as refreshed as a Tic Tac and a vibe that'll take you on a ride through 100 layers of flavor. Does it get any fresher than this? Tic Tac, enjoy the bright side. That 100 layer joy ride. Pick up a pack of Tic Tac Mints today. I'm going to ask you one thing, Sherrod. When it comes down to the, the main bet, who do you bet in this game? Right, let, me, let me just give you the line right here so we know what we're betting on. We got San Fran is minus two and a half right now. The over, the over under is 47 and a half. Those are the two, the two main bets. So yeah. um, if you're going to bet San Fran minus two and a half, or are you going to bet uh, a money line on either team? What do you got? I'm taking Kansas City. You're taking Kansas City with the points or money line? With the points. Okay. You're taking taking Mahomes with the points, you're basically saying. I absolutely. Listen, Mahomes is a different kind of dude in these games. He is, to me, him and Tom Brady, yes, I'm going to throw Tom Brady's name in the mix. They are the cheat codes. They're the cheat codes when it comes to Super Bowl. They're not always going to be their absolute best, but they figure out a way to win. And that's all you're that's that's literally the only thing that you care about when you are an NFL quarterback in the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter if you throw for 300 yards or you throw seven picks. If you throw seven picks and you win 24, 23, guess what? You're still a Super Bowl freaking champion. That's what this is about. Uh, I, I I don't feel good about Purdy stepping mm. up and carrying the night and, and, and McCaffrey, who is just phenomenal, uh, best running back in the game. I think he's going to be impactful, obviously, but I don't think he's going to be able to carry them. Uh, and they're gonna and they're gonna need 
for them to win this game. They're going to need someone to carry them. The it's the NC. Chiefs, yeah, the Chiefs have two guys who've done that, uh, and in Mahomes and, and Kelsey. So it's like I got two guys I know can win this game and carry a team. I got no one on the other side that I know can carry this team. You're, no under, you're underestimating McCaffrey, I think, dude. This guy is a touchdown. I, I look. He is, but I'm. I. This is a different game, Jimmy. This. This. Like, this particular. Like, go ahead. I like, I like San Fran's D line too, and I and and here's the thing. You mentioned Brady, and I'm glad you did because he is the goat, and he always will be. Mahomes. He will not always be. He will always be. Mahomes will find ways to win a Super Bowl, except when he lost to Tom Brady a couple years ago. People forget already, and they already want to say that he's better than Tom Brady. He, he's not. But he's, he's not he's, even he's, done untying his cleats from losing to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Perhaps. And the people want to say he's better than Tom Brady. He's nowhere near. And that's another reason why I'm not going to take the Chiefs on Sunday. I can't even fathom this. I'm not even, I'm not a good better because I can't bet with my brain if I do think the Chiefs are going to win. I cannot bet on Mahomes. I cannot bet on Kelsey because in my heart of hearts, I know that Brady and Gronk are better than Mahomes and Kelsey. But you know, but Jimmy, down. your heart, but your head is telling you that if Kansas City wins this game, the the narrative becomes not the that they're better. Will be. So it becomes a conversation that you absolutely have to have. No, you don't. Who's you don't have to have it. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to have it because there's no other good storylines in the NFL. It's Mahomes and everybody else. But if you compare Mahomes' career to Brady's career, Brady has three times Brady has three of Mahomes' career. Okay, so if Mahomes has to do what he does on Sunday, he's going to do that two more times over again. He has to have his career two more times, and then we can have that conversation. But I know all the radio people and everyone on Sports Talk is going to have to have that conversation because they need to fill air, airwaves. But stats are the stats. Championships are championships, and those don't lie. Mahomes is nowhere near Brady at this point in his career. Talk to me in 10 years. We can have that conversation. That being said – if Mahomes wins on Sunday, yes, the con- people will start ch- talking about it, but we're not even close yet. If he loses on Sunday, I never want to hear it again. I never <laughs> want to hear it again. I'll say that. So that's where I'm at with that conversation. But anyways, that's the FanDuel read. So hopefully I, I did that Hopefully I did that read justice. I'm not sure if we want to have to stop. But anyways, guys, $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Yes, Bobby Manning is going to be joining us. He's just waiting on Chris Tapp's Porzingis. We will allow it because uh, we do want to hear what Porzingis um, had to say tonight because he did have such a good game. Um, Sherrod, another guy we haven't talked about yet that you did mention, Drew Holiday. Drew, man. Drew. The, is, other, uh... the other addition to this team, Drew Holiday, um, brought it tonight. I don't have the um, – He was good, man. Thirds, but 20 points on 9 20... of 13 from the field, 7 rebounds. Yes. Five assists again didn't benefit from the plus minus in the plus minus department, much like Jalen Brown tonight. Minus mm-hmm. eleven I, again. I think he was a victim of of a couple of of um, Wizards runs there, um, but he was a part of that third quarter um, that third quarter effective play by the Celtics, and yeah. so got to give him his flowers tonight. He was good, man. I, I I love the fact that the Celtics did a really good job of keeping the ball movement, and he was maybe one of, if not the biggest benefactor of that style of play. Uh, when the Celtics had the ball popping, for some reason it found Drew wide open in the corner or wide open on the wing. And, and he made the Wizards pay repeatedly uh, when that happened. And, and it's just good to see him just looking like that dude that we saw in Milwaukee for all those years. Uh, 
you know, there, there's been some, you know, some have questioned how much does he still have in the tank and things like that. Drew's got quite a bit in the tank. And, I, and you know, I, I go back to something Porzingis, you know, said a few weeks ago where he talked about Drew Holiday has sacrificed more than anyone else on his team. And that's saying a lot uh, when your teammates recognize just how much you are basically holding back because that's not necessarily what the team needs in order to be successful. But they're going to be nice, but they're going to need Drew Holiday to get buckets. Uh, and this was one of those games where it was great to see him get into a flow, knock down big shots. He took only two threes and made them both. Uh, he got seven rebounds, five, six assists. Uh, you know, I think he had like one or two turnovers. He had a, a pretty good, well-balanced game. And like I said, they're, they're going to need that from him from time to time as they make this journey through the playoffs and, you know, for their sake, hoping to, in, you know, the NBA Finals. Yeah, and again, he brings that toughness too. I mean, they they just traded for a guy in Tillman who's got that toughness. But Drew Holiday is on the court, you know, and we don't know what yeah. really know know what Tillman's role is going to be yet. And I think, Holl, I'm not saying Holiday is this you know badass guy on the court. That's not his. That's not his game. But physically, he's tough. He can he plays hard. He can body up against pretty much anybody in the NBA. They'll put him up against, and that's a physical presence that you're going to need in the playoffs when the game does get physical. Now you've got yeah. a guy. If you get another situation where where big bad boogeyman Butler is running around doing whatever he wants, and everyone on the Celtics uh, is is shaking in their boots except the one guy you don't want to be, Grant I, Williams, rest in peace. Right. Then you got a guy like Holiday who Grant's alive. He's just in Charlotte. That's not technically dead. His his NBA career. <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy got my man. Rest in peace. He's just he's in Charlotte, Jimmy. He's not in like. Charlotte, Some third world country. I man? wouldn't say uh, Charlotte, great, great city, but I wouldn't say the organization is where. Yeah, rest in peace, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> we're Damn, gonna talk. Jimmy. We're gonna. We are gonna talk about Grant, guys. At the end of the show, we're gonna get Bobby on here. We're gonna ask him what his take is in the show, uh, on the game. Let him do his thing, and then we're gonna well, we're gonna but, hit on a couple of things that before, we have before we get off of Drew, though, Jimmy. I, I, I yeah, just yeah. want to point Drew. If they do wind up playing Miami Heat, it will be personal. For Drew, because Jimmy Butler absolutely filleted him last year. It was bad. It, J, the way Jimmy Butler outplayed him, raised that was the point where folks started questioning how much did Drew still have left in the tank. Is that is because, that when Giannis said, "Get him out of here"? I don't know, but we all know Giannis has quite a bit of pull, uh, and he, he's not he's not he's not the least bit shy about flexing that pull. I don't there think that's what happened because I, I, I bottom line is Jimmy Butler. Drew, there you go. Drew, I believe if they played Miami, we would see the best version of Drew. I think we would see like what we saw tonight only even better uh, because I, it's personal, man. I mean, I mean, Jimmy Butler made him look really bad. Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing is with the thing is with Drew, the 20 points are, are great. You want to see that shot falling um, because I think at the beginning of the year, people were wondering like, okay, can he score? And, and we know that he can, but it's always been about the defense for, for holiday. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean yeah. the, the points are a bonus. If you can get him 15 plus points a game, that's to me, that's where you want to be. Um, yeah. And just, you know, he made some good cuts tonight. I thought he made himself open. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was able to exploit some of the um, weaknesses on that, on that wizards defense took advantage of it. And that's when Tatum, I think, I think he probably benefited a few of from a few of Tatum's passes tonight. Um, and so, you know, good on holiday. It's a good, I think a good veteran awareness of him and maybe, maybe, you know, Cassell might be a guy that's say, you know, they might have, a. I don't know much about their relationship, um, working relationship, whatever, but I feel like they'd be good. Uh, there'd be a good, like, 
I don't know, tandem together. Yeah, and, and the other assistant coach, Charles Lee, who was in Milwaukee, withdrew. That's another one that yeah. uh, is, is really, I think, important. But the, the, the big thing with Drew, to your point, Jimmy, is this defense. Not only is it something that we recognize, but players in the league believe he's the best on-the-ball defender. When they had that survey like before the yep. season started, and Drew Holiday was, was voted as the best on-ball defender by the guys who he is guarding. Uh, so, uh, to me, it's – Drew is again. He, I think, him and Porzingis is the new guys that they didn't have around last year. They're both X factors for this team uh, because they have the ability and the capacity to cause problems for opponents that the Celtics weren't quite able to do to the extent that they can now with those two guys. Bobby Manning, Bobby Manning in the building, everybody. We were wondering if you were still here. How we doing, Bobby? Good. Good. Uh... Good finish to this one. What's the vibe? Give us, give us the vibe right now. At least from talking to Chris Stapps, you know, the only guy I heard from on the team, and of course Joe. Uh, there's not We're a ton of concern like about this one because Joe's just. <laughs> what was, yeah, to, what was that, Bobby? Joe's <laughs> pretty like, much. Of course. Reacted, well, sure. Uh, Joe, Joe's reacted the same to pretty much all of these slip up games recently, sure. you know, whether it's the Lakers or the Hawks. And he even said he didn't feel like the Hawks was much of a slip up game. He, he thought they defended well in that one. And he did say they played poorly in this one. Uh, so there's certainly admission of things they did wrong here, uh, not just missed layups, which is kind of where I went, because I know that's where his focus is usually on. But he said every missed shot kind of put the Celtics in a poor position and transition in this one. Uh, and the effort was bad. He said that he showed them, you know, 10 transition points. They shouldn't have just because of effort at halftime. And, you know, they had 36 in this game. So, you know, transition defense is becoming a little bit of a concern for this team. And is it laziness? Is it positioning? Is it just the, you know, lackadaisical approach some teams take this time of year? Um, I know I've heard in you know different spots. Rod, oh eight team even had a stretch like this around January, February uh, that you just don't care as much, especially going against this kind of team. So you get it, you get that mindset. You know, I asked Kristaps, so at what point do you start to take that slippage seriously and tighten up a little bit? And I think they're probably getting to that point a little bit. And you know they've really drilled some stuff hard in recent practices. I think Joe's talked a lot about how just situationally they're making some mistakes in key positions. And, you know, he said they went through a walkthrough this morning that actually came up in the game. So Joe's mindset is that he's happy they're having these kind of games to try to figure things out in those moments. And if you win, I guess it's not the biggest deal in the world. And they did have some really nice stretches to win this game. Uh, but it just feels like this racing train that looked like it was going to be an 08 regular season or, you know, one of the best regular seasons in Celtics history, probably not the case. Um, and listen, Jimmy, they've been missing guys in certain games and, you know, they've mm -hmm. been resting guys and stuff. So on those nights, I think you have to take that into consideration. The frustration on a night like this is you're at home, you're fairly rested. Everybody's playing and, it really is a dreadful Wizards team on that other side that just made some trades and stuff too. So they're, you know, missing their center tonight. I get Joe's sentiment that you're not just going to walk out there and win by 40, but you shouldn't give up 71 in the first half. I mean, that was tough to watch. That so they got to tighten up. I mean, there's just, you're not going to win the championship in 
February against the Wizards. But there does have to be a general sense of urgency about this season of habit building, of consistency, and, and just seriousness about it. the task at hand, right? Absolutely. you got to form good habits in the regular season, and those carry over to the playoffs. We actually have a clip of your question to KP. Amit is uh, going to toss it up there for us, Alda. Marvel at. I don't think, like, um, oh, like, we, we need to overreact now because we haven't been playing or maybe, like, beating everybody by 30 lately like we did in the beginning of the season. Um, we can play better. For sure we can play better. Uh, and, and I think all of us like individually we have to look at the things that we can do better um but overall there's going to be different nights and like variations of the games and some teams are going to shoot crazy like the lakers game you know and, and it's just you know you, you kind of lose some of the games even if you're you know the better team on paper um of course we don't have a we don't want to have bad habits um but i don't think we're nowhere near there and, and i think uh, the coaching staff is doing a great job of having us you know, do the, do the necessary things to keep building towards. Uh... Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I, 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 yeah, I guess it is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, oh. he, he he makes a good point about the fact that um, you can't overreact to these type of games. Uh, and, and, and something that Joe and again, Jimmy, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the, the point that Joe made about Washington does not typically shoot this way. Uh, to me, there's a, there's a twofold issue there. He's right. They don't normally shoot that well. But is it more of them just having a good night shooting the ball or is there some def defensive deficiency that's allowing them? to shoot that well. And I thought this this was a game of both. I thought that a lot of the shots that Washington was getting, that they were knocking down, were the kind of shots that if you're an NBA player, you should be making those shots. Uh, if, you're pull, if you're coming out in transition and the Celtics are just, you know, they're, they're rolling back, rolling back, and they give you like a good four or five feet to raise up from three-point range, you should make that shot. Uh, and, and Washington, I thought, did a decent amount of knocking down those type of shots. So uh, – I don't think you hit the panic button or anything like that, but you, you no. need to be at least aware that you got to do better in that regard. You, you've got to close out better. You've got to, you know, fight through screens. You, you've got to, you know, not allow them to just keep swinging the ball without any type of stress or, 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 you know, resistance uh, for them doing that. And then the Celtics just didn't do a really good job in that regard, you know, overall tonight, especially as Bobby pointed out, the transition game where they were they had a 36, 18, they doubled the Celtics in, in uh, fast break points, 36, 18. Mm -hmm. you, you shouldn't let that shouldn't be happening. Not to an elite defensive team. And, and listen, everyone's going to get on Joe and, and rightfully so to quote Marcus smart, but <laughs> it's on a player at a certain, my guy, point. It's on a player at a certain point, right, to step up in these kind of situations and assert some level of seriousness. And one thing I did like about that Lakers game, Jimmy, is that you did see Tatum on the sideline showing some demonstrative, you know, show of urgency there, talking to teammates and, uh, you know, saying after the game, you know, that you got to be better in these spots. You got to make adjustments after the Clippers game, some stuff like that. And, you know, John says it all the time. The lip service after the game doesn't mean a ton. You know, there's probably things being said internally on how to tighten up right now. But there's still a general feel of, yeah, whatever. It's fine. You know, it's not a big deal. And I think that does, to some respect, reflect 
the mindset of the team, you know, especially when you hear from Chris Stapps right there saying that, yeah, it's fine. And again, we know these are veterans. We know this stuff happens across the league. This isn't just a Celtics problem here, but this wasn't happening early in the season. They were playing with a level of consistency. And one of the things I think even Joe talked about early in the year was their ability to take care of business in these spots. You know, the Bulls game, Joe wasn't saying after that one, you know, whether you win by three or whether you win by 40, it was fine. He thought it could be a lesson that, you know, you go up by 10, 20 against a team like the Bulls, and then you bring it to 30, 40. Like the in-season tournament, they were going for that scoring margin, and he thought, you know, this could be a lesson in some other games against these kind of teams on how you just put them away. And most importantly, Sherrod, sit your starters down and get them some rest. Yeah, they that, should that not, yeah, they we should t- not we, have yeah. to play 30 minutes with their starters to beat this team. We literally had that conversation earlier in on the show. <laughs> I, and I, I was making that point to Jimmy that, you know, th- that was one of my disappointments in this game. The fact that Tatum's out there for 38 minutes, Jalen plays like 35, 36. They had like three or four guys that were playing in mid to high 30s when – uh, a team that has basically what we're we talking about, maybe a third or fourth number of, of wins that you have, you shouldn't have to extend yourself like this. And the Celtics, that to me was a disappointment because, you know, it's, it's a long season and any chance you can ha- you have to give your core guys, you know, cut back their minutes a little bit and still emerge victorious. You need to take advantage of that. And because of, I think, the way they played in the first half, they didn't allow that to happen. Uh, and even though they had that great surge in the third quarter where they went up by as many as 15, they still didn't deliver the kind of impactful, dominant, putting this team away for now and we're just not going to have to deal with them type of, of, of effort and performance. I mean, you have to go up by at least 20, 25 points against a team like this at some point. And that just, yeah, that just they never, never They never sent it a night shroud. Right. And, you know, to their credit, they did get the ball in some good positions, I thought, to score against that weakness. And the one thing I like that Joe said after the game is, in a matchup like this, you do have to shift the ball a little bit more inside. And I thought they mm-hmm. utilized Porzingis tremendously. Uh, this was maybe his most dominant scoring night with the team in this one, and it was all at the basket. Uh, his efficiency in there was incredible. He missed one at one point, got it right back, and put it in. And it was like, whoa, because – those have been like 70% shots for him. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like eight feet out sometimes, but he still was putting it right up over these guys. So, you know, they found the mismatches in these games. I thought the offense was good. It, it's that transition defense that I killed them in this one. There was just a lackadaisical approach to the defensive side of the ball that uh, put them in a dangerous position in this game. It did feel like for a little bit there, Jimmy, this was creeping on a loss. And then they went on that phenomenal run to close the third. There it is. Four to nine. Phenomenal. And, it was a great third quarter. Absolutely. Shout out to Pritchard. Uh, the bench keeps getting a lot of crap. People want Lonnie Walker to replace him. And, you know, there's just a lot of anxiety about the bench going into the deadline. I thought they were awesome in this game. There's another one yeah. where I felt like they We haven't great. talked about them at all. So feel free to talk about Pritchard for a minute. I mean, guy almost had two half court shots. I mean, he had two, but. Electric one. moments in the building, was, too. Yeah. That, was, yeah. I mean, that even got me out of my seat, that second one. I thought that was. I, wish I that thought was that was good. Kid. Yeah, that was just that was sweet. And, and was these, awesome. you know, Ahmed actually said it to me, Jimmy. Why isn't O'Shea Brissett playing in a game like this where the energy's an issue, where the effort's an issue? Mm-hmm. Those bench guys are going to give you that, and it's going to take a little bit of a load off your starters. And Tatum looked like was supposed to rest this game. He was on the injury report with the illness, and 
you know, we know how it goes. He wants to play all these games, so he probably fought his way into it. But this was an opportunity to get some Brissett minutes in and, you know, play Pritchard a little bit more, which I felt like they did in, in the second half. And he was tremendous. And this is what he's given you this year, some good energy, some good shot making, rebounding. I think he had six in this game, an occasional burst of playmaking as well. Uh, and, you know, the defense can be an issue sometimes, but they play good together as a team. And, you know, I don't know how much you talked about, uh, you know, Brad's comments this morning, Jimmy, but we he haven't. said that was the biggest reason he kept this bench together. He kept this rotation together because you know, we kicked around piling up the whole bench and going again in Olenek or, you know, some kind of bench score, or a proven rotation level player who's a borderline starter. But, you know, they kept Cornette in here. They kept Hauser, Pritchard as your bench into the playoffs. Because they've played well all year. All three of those guys, I think, have played well all year. And they've played well together, which is what Brad said this morning. And so that's the important thing. Over multiple years, that group has built a chemistry, a togetherness, an ability to do the little things that supports the starters. And I think that's the most important thing with this team is you don't have bench guys who are trying to get their own shots or you know, trying to do too much. They're doing things in support of the best players on the team here. I think that Bobby, that that latter that last point you made, I think is why Brad decided to keep him because remember, Pitcher had a just a putrid stretch this year, and Luke had stretches where he was a non-factor, and Sam he had his his low points as well. But they have collectively figured out how to play well as a unit, uh, where even when they've had individual struggles per se. And I think if you're Brad, you know, if you look at the guys that they added, particularly Xavier Tillman. You have a specialist, a guy that does one thing really well, and you may you're not going to need it every night, but you might need it against the Knicks. You might need it against you know you know a team that that has a certain high level of physicality, and he can bring that to you. And I think if you're Brad, that made the most sense as opposed to going out and getting let's say a Kelly Olynyk who can do some really nice things for you, but does he address a need that you currently have? Uh, you have guys who can stretch the floor in the front court with Porzingis and Al Horford. So you don't necessarily need someone to do that. But could you use another big who can be physical, uh, can it has a certain level of switchability defensively, and isn't going to get in the way of your offense because they need the damn ball? Not You didn't have that guy, but now you do with Xavier. Uh, so it makes – the more you think about it, it makes sense for Brad to try to keep the bench band together and then add to that guys who have a very specific skill and strength that addresses an area where you need some, you need to strengthen up. Uh, and one uh, guy on this bench does one thing well, specifically across the board. And so now you add an element of on-ball defense against bigger guys, uh, right. which you didn't have before. You know, you might have tried to throw Brissett into that spot, but that's not his strength. He's, he's not physical. Right. Yeah, you have a rim protector in Cornette. You have an on-ball defender in Tillman now, offensive rebounder in Brissett, a shooter in Hauser, and a you know shooting ball handling guard in Pritchard. And what do you think of this listen, guy, Jaden Springer? Solid. He's really young. <laughs> yeah, who's he's a prospect, and you know Brad talked about this, that today. I got this question. I don't. Does, does he mean Jaden? And he said Jared. How do you guys feel about Jared getting Rob's number? It feels a little Rob backwards. Will. Someone someone tweeted me. Yeah, Rob Williams. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously though. Why? They didn't retire. Out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of yeah. mind. Yeah. How no, do we they, feel? They that, that's a question for John Zanis. We'll have to ask him on Sunday how he No, I think it's it's here. oh well, this guy's talking about that. Yeah, but 
someone else tweeted me, Jimmy, about how I felt a little backwards because Tillman got 26, feels more like a guard's number, and mm. Springer got 44, which it's kind of weird. I think Banton had a weird number too, didn't he? Like 77 or something like that. So who's Banton? I don't remember any player named Banton. Yeah, Banton was uh, doomed, doomed from the number. Doomed from the number. He stayed ready, but he never never got called. Yeah, but. Ready, ready, ready for the flight out of town, I guess. But this was a savvy move, Jimmy. And listen, I think the Sixers fans, because obviously, oh, 45. Thanks, Luke. Uh, <laughs> the Sixers fans were freaking out a little bit about this one, Jimmy, because they did effectively give up a guy they drafted a couple years ago just for some luxury tax relief here, it mm-hmm. feels like. And to, you know, open a roster spot for Lowry or whatever the hell they're going to do here. So, you know, Dower Moy was even getting some questions about it today. And the one thing he said was that he feels like he's, he feels like Springer's a long way away and they needed an impact more immediate uh, for their team. And that's fine. But the Celtics can afford to wait on a guy like this. I mean, think about how many guys are developing at this point. Right. Walsh, uh, uh, Davison. Peterson. Yeah. So add him to that mix. You know, he's going to be a stay ready guy. Jimmy, you know, I don't think he's here to steal Pritchard's right. role. No, but not yet. You went out, you went out, and let's. I, I think people should think about it like this: you were going to have the forty-first pick in this year's draft. They pretty much used 40, 41 on a guy who was drafted in the late twenties, I think. Yeah, so, late first round, like twenty-eight or something like that. So you bought low on a highly rated prospect uh, who wasn't you, getting the appropriate right. attention where he was. And then you threw in a couple of middle schoolers, you know, just to make, yeah. make everything where 27 and 30. And to me, that that's – Brad is, is – you know, Brad's been pretty candid about team building, knowing that you're going to have a number of guys making major, major dollars. So you got to fill, the, you know, that bench and develop guys on low money contracts. Uh, and that's, that's what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're basically building that, that second unit with guys that have tremendous upside, but they have some kinks or some knocks against them. And they're going to try to smooth those out before, you know, and his is the offense, Sherrod. You, you look yeah. at the numbers, they're rough. He, he doesn't really have much of an offensive game at all. Uh, I think no, other than layups, other than layups and dunks, layups and dunks. Yeah. Yeah. And you know he was he was pretty high on uh, KOC's uh, big board that year in 2021. I think he came in at 24th. Loves the defense. Called him a relentless defender on the ball, uh, but doesn't have much of a shot. Barely pulled up from three at all in in his college days with Tennessee. And it's been a similar deal: 41% from the field through three years with Philly, 23% from three. So that's going to be the difficulty, Jimmy. Playing him for long stretches. I don't think that's in the cards this year. But no. let's say, you know, remember they used to go to Phil Pressy, Sherrod, and uh, who's the other guy? Shane Larkin. Shane Larkin, you know, yes. We love, I love Shane Larkin. He I did too. Nasty. They Shane went to Larkin those guys. is killing it overseas, but that's another story another day. I'm not surprised. They, he was nasty. They went to those guys for... They went to those guys for a little change of pace sometimes. And those guys were mm-hmm. like the third, fourth guard on the roster. Mm-hmm. Right. You couldn't do that with J.D. Davis. And you probably can do that with Springer. And Brad actually said today he has the athleticism to play in the playoffs. I don't know if that was just like a stumble on his words, but well, well, he threw the word playoffs Bob, in there. Bobby, this is, this is what I, I think people are, are losing sight of, okay? Philadelphia is going to be a one-man team without Joel, and it's going to be Maxie's team. Mm-hmm. This guy has been 
in that mix for multiple years. If anyone knows how to not shut him down, because Max, I think, is just too good to shut down, but at least knows how to address him, attack him, those type of things defensively. This might be that that wild card that that they can throw out there uh, in a yeah. series against Philadelphia that Philadelphia probably wouldn't see coming. And they're going to teach him, Sherrod, the same thing they taught yeah. Banton. Screen a ton, roll a ton, offensive rebound, and just be a garbage man out there on offense. If you're not going to be able to shoot, if you're not going to be able to create your own shot or do any of those things, you're bringing it on defense. I mean, he is in the uh, – I think Chris Forsberg tweeted out, Jimmy, he's in the 99th percentile in limited minutes, of course, for blocks and steals among guards. Uh, so he, he's been producing yeah. on the defensive end when he's gotten out there. It's just it's the zero on offense, and Philly couldn't figure you, out a way to use them. But you know, Celtics do like using these guys as screeners, as rollers, as cutters. So they're gonna they're gonna work on that with him. And I already saw him in the locker room with um, his former assistant here is uh, Sam Cassell. Yeah, uh, but he's got them, another. He's got another former assistant here too, who was actually his development coach. Um, I'm gonna pull up his name here. But, it, seems like uh, a good, it seems like a good landing spot for him, then, right? I mean, you can yeah. develop him a little bit off the court. Not saying throw him in the fire here, but it's a guy that they're not. They didn't trade Tyler, for for the playoffs. Tyler then, Lashbrook, you know? yeah. Tyler Lashbrook was his um, development coach in Philly. This is his first year with the Celtics, so you know they're reuniting and they were getting right to work in the locker room before the game on some film. So yeah. uh, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be drilling him pretty hard to you know get some uh you know playing time here and um i think he's going to be ready to go sunday probably um i think tillman's probably going to be a little bit more of a long-term thing waiting on him uh really? some of the knee soreness there but um something you know, to I be concerned see- about or what no they just i think it's just getting him right you know he missed those last four games uh in the in this run with Memphis. Why even playing before the why even playing before the All-Star break? There's, there's no rush, right? Yeah. Right. You have three big men. Cato was here tonight. He wasn't active, but you can still use him if you really need to. You got a back to back next week, so I'm sure he'll be active for those. So yeah, I don't I don't know if you'll see Tillman uh before the break. Yeah, but the gonna... thing about the thing just real quick, real quick. The yeah. thing about Jaden that I, I think they should give some thought to is is pulling out the the old school starter kit for guards who can't score. Cut to the basket. The Avery Bradley plan. Remember, a- Avery. Avery had no jump shot uh, for a while, and then, but he was still getting you eight, ten points because he was just simply cutting really hard to the basket, finding those seams, uh, and finishing at the. Doesn't ground. he remind you of that a little bit? Sure. He used to say that to Gary Washburn all the time. I used to say elite, elite cuts by Avery Bradley. I just kept saying it to Gary Washburn all the time, and it used to drive him crazy. So next time, you guys sit on this clip shot out of us talking about Avery Bradley's backdoor cut. So maybe you'll finally believe me. I, I will, yeah, I will make reference that, to elite cuts. Elite cuts. Elite cuts. We used to say that a little bit about um, about Romeo Sherrod. There was some parallels there too, but I feel like there's a little bit more athleticism because Avery did come into Boston as as like a leap through the roof kind of athlete, a real yeah. burst in transition get blown by guys on those cuts and you know he didn't have a shot when he first got here he, right. he didn't have a handle when he first got here so he just had to do stuff like that uh, to get his minutes right. but he was such a good defender he got into those games and it's going to yeah. be on joe right and you know joe was talking a little bit before the game of yeah you know we'll find some situations for these guys and you know it's going to kind of be a matchup thing as it always is for minutes and he said that about some of the bench guys to start the year too who ultimately never carved out 
spots. Even Brissett had to kind of fight his way back into this rotation. So it's it's one of those things, Jimmy. It's not just a Joe thing. It's a it's a coach thing, Sherrod. You know, coaches have their guys that they mm-hmm. love, that they lean on, that they trust. And here come two new guys that, you know, maybe don't know your system or your game plan as well as the guys who are already here. So where can you fit those guys in? That's going to be the challenge late in this season because you do have, as you saw tonight, eight guys you know, who are already in this mix and who are already rolling to some degree. So uh, it's going to be, you know, along with some of the bumps and bruises both these guys are dealing with, a little bit of a process here to integrate them in. But you do want both of them, I think, ready for the playoffs because, yeah. listen, you're going to have to adjust, Jimmy, you know, whether it's lineups, whether it's game plan, whether it's matchups. And those are two guys whether it's a guard who's really giving you trouble or a big man who's really giving you trouble, that's what they're here for. You got to use them in those circumstances and they got to be ready to go. All right. One thing, I just want one thing, cause I don't want to bore people to death with a Brad press conference uh, segment, but what's one thing, if anything that you took out of Brad's press conference today? Yeah, I think it was the fact that they targeted a big man and that was the only thing they felt like this team needed. Uh, so clearly there's a level of trust in Pritchard. Clearly there's a level of trust in Brissett uh, is that extra wing. And Hauser, too, certainly, who I think we already knew was going to be part of this mix here. Uh, and also an acknowledgement that there's a good thing here. And they didn't want to mess with it necessarily to try to get better, to try to bring in a big talent and uh, – I do like the attention to detail to go back to that Springer thing of the long term. You know, John has said it. You got to start to think about draft picks. You got to start to think about prospects. And the way that they're starting to piece together some young guys here who can help them, I think is pretty savvy. And they've already accomplished it with Cornette and Hauser, you know, turn them from some undrafted and unsung G League guys into rotation players. That's the kind of way they're going to have to do it here because all they really have are second round picks, late first. And uh, one thing Brad said today is that, you know, a guy like Springer, he's younger than a lot of people in this draft. In fact, he said he was younger than most of the people that they're looking at in this draft. So is that a new way for teams to get some value on guys, you know, guys who aren't working out in other places, go and buy low on them and then put them into your developmental program? And, uh, you know, some teams have had some success with that, namely the Heat. And you you can think of some others who have done it well, too. So we complained for so long, Jimmy, they can't develop young guys. They can't find unsung guys. And yep. they're starting to do it now. And that's another credit yep. to Brad. He's made the big moves, but now he's trying to make the small moves to help them too. Mm-hmm. Figured out that he needs to, he's going to run out of money if he doesn't. Right. Um, yeah, all right, guys, absolutely. Last, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here, but before we do, I got to do one last topic that we haven't had a chance to really talk to. I know you guys probably talked about it yesterday, Bobby, old friend, Grant I knew it. Williams. I, I knew it. Sherrod, you know I couldn't. You could. I couldn't skip. Damn it! I thought we were gonna get away with not talking about my boy Grant. Oh, Damn it, friend Grant Williams. He That's was my guy. Booted. I don't know. Did they even give him a? Did they even give him a plane to fly out of Dallas, or did they just tell him to hit hit the road? Did Traded they call the lift? Did they call a lift for him so they, he could get to the airport on time? Traded to the physical for PJ Washington, Seth Curry, and a first round pick. A hell of a return um for the Mavs but a little bit a little bit of extra news coming out today and I don't know you can you can believe it or not is that part of the this is a report from I think Tim McMahon is that his name Dallas yeah, it's, it's Tim 
He's a he's a he's a big name in the in the Mavs in the Mavs uh, beat world. And I, don't know, yeah. I don't know how well he's liked by by some of those players. Certainly, Luca has has had his run-ins, but um, he's reporting that part of the reason Grant was shipped out of town is because he changed his sneakers from Luca's signature sneaker to Tatum's signature sneaker, and maybe that rubbed Luca the wrong way. But I think prior to that, he was rubbing guys the wrong way, and they said that they just had to get rid of him. Is anybody surprised? To at least hear that he was rubbing guys the wrong way and that they just had to say, dude, like we can't deal with you anymore. You no, it's, it's not a surprise. I mean, we, we've been around Granton enough to know that he is an acquired taste. Not everyone can That's stomach putting Grant. it nicely. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, even the guys that love him on his team will point out that he could be a pain in the ass sometimes. He can be really annoying. And for Dallas, you just look at, I mean, you look at the two heads of the snake there, Luca and Kyrie. Grant doesn't seem like the type that would fit in seamlessly with those guys. Um, and so it's not a surprise. It's, it's not. Uh, and they got it. I mean, I know Luke is a little bitch gave, too, though. I can definitely see him being like, get this guy out of here. He's not even wearing my sneakers. He's anymore. not wearing my sneakers. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so damn petty. Though. I'm sorry. You're going to trade it. The tr- of all the reasons you could possibly have to get rid of a teammate, because he doesn't wear my damn sneakers. Come on, seriously? <laughs> seriously? I don't know. Lucas has got, got that, like... It's he, just a smoke like, screen to say, I don't like yeah. you. Get the hell out of get, yeah. get the, the hell out of town. I don't like you. You're, you're, yeah, yeah, I don't you're like you. And I'm going to come up with some bullshit. How many conversations you do you think Kyrie Irving had with Grant Williams? Like, honestly. Zero. 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 <laughs> Kyrie doesn't even know. There was a photo early on of him turning down the bench, talking to him, and Kyrie's just kind of staring back. Listen, I know he's a handful. I know he's loud. We heard it here. All his teammates here said the same thing openly. And it's part of the experience. And I'm sure he was trying to lead the guys. Remember at the beginning of camp, he was giving like a little speech to the guys in a circle and all that. The fact is, I'm sure all this stuff's true and the conjecture and everything else. And I'm sure there were some annoyances in terms of him in the room. But at the end of the day, they trade him because he wasn't playing well, uh, and he lost his starting yeah. spot. And you can't be annoying out. and suck. You can be annoying and be good. You can't be annoying and suck. That's not. Good and you have to be confident too. And it feels like he lost that confidence a little bit. Now he's still shooting well from three. I still think he gives you some positional versatility defensively. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to make. It. He's not Rudy Gobert. He's not going to transform your defense just by being there. But I think as part of a bunch of other guys who are defending. He can be a nice piece, and that's what he was in Boston here. And I still think he's the guy he was in Boston, a defensive shot maker uh, who needs to focus on a narrow role. So I'm going to put most you're of the not, blame you're not on the ready Mavs. To go, you're not ready to go apology cam on this yet? No, because I think this is a dumb move by the Mavs. You go out and trade a first to make – So maybe here – you look at this and say yes, but remember what they gave up to get Grant. They had to trade a first to clear some space to get him, and then they had to trade three seconds to the Celtics for the sign-in trade. So that's a first and three seconds to bring him in, and now you're giving up another first to send him out. For a guy in P.J. Washington who you could have signed last summer, he was a free that's agent. That's crazy part. There. Yeah. 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 And it's like, we listen, don't want Washington, that car, and then six the months later, we're going to – What's that? Uh, there's a first going to uh, Dallas. Seth Curry Dallas. going to, uh, to Charlotte, rather. Um, yeah, so uh, Seth 
Oh, this, okay. this graphic's throwing me off here. Curry's this going to. Is not, it's not accurate, I don't think, then, right? It's just out of order. It's out of Curry's order. Curry's going okay. to Charlotte. Uh, Washington's going to Dallas. Grant's going to Charlotte with a first. So they are sending a first to right. Charlotte to dump That's Grant what I thought. and take in they Washington. Got, they, they, they got P.J. Washington, who's a I would think most people would say is a, a better player than Grant, right? Yeah, worse three-point shooter, better two-point shooter, and uh, they, taller. Yeah. And they ha- has more offensive upside in terms of creating his own shot. He's a little inconsistent. Uh, he's de- not the same defender Grant is, and he's a little more expensive too. Grant was making 12. I think PJ is making like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't like it. I don't think it changes much. Maybe he'll play well for Dallas and give them higher upside and size on the wing. But it, it I just think feels it, well, it just goes frantic. to show that they, 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 made, they made him. I think they're basically eating it, right? They're basically saying, yeah, this isn't going to work. Grant's not the right fit for this team. We're going to get a better player in order to do so. Yeah, we're going to have to give up another asset, another, you know, big asset. But this is how badly we need to make this move while we can. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. But it still looks dysfunctional. It still looks frantic. It still looks panicky. Uh, And I don't think it solves their biggest issues. Their best players don't defend well. Uh, And Kyrie's injured all the time. And Luka does so much to their benefit and also their uh, detriment because he tires himself out late in these games. And all these other guys are just kind of standing around waiting for him to throw them the ball. And uh, You know, you thought Grant might benefit from that, just having to stay in the corner and shoot threes. And listen, Grant shares some of this blame because I think he left Boston saying, I can do more. I can mm-hmm. be a guy who creates off the dribble. I can be a guy who goes into the paint and shoots there. And even Ime said a couple of years ago, Grant's at his best when he's focused on a narrow role. And, you know, is this a humbling moment for him, you know, going to a Charlotte team that's going to really be bad for the rest of the year? Who knows what he ends up this offseason. But um, that's what you got to hope for if if you're rooting for Grant going forward is that he does kind of look at things and say, all right, Boston, what I was doing in Boston was really where I was my, my most successful and Right. Listen, you know me, Jimmy. I'd I'd love to have him back on this team one day, um, you know, at the right price and right role and all the rest. So who knows? Maybe yeah, you'd like to have you'd like to have Fournier. You'd like to have Hayward. You'd like to have Grant. You'd like to have Marcus. You, if it was up to you, Bobby, it would just be like the 2018 team forever. I gave right? I gave a 2019 team forever. I think I gave an apology cam on Fournier, but I will not I give one on Grant yet. You won't give one on Grant yet. That's you forgot fair. about Terry Rozier. You forgot about bringing back Terry Rozier. Might as well bring T. Rose back if I you're bringing back. That's that's one guy I would bring back is T. Rose. T. Rose. I wasn't. Uh, yeah. I wasn't doing the show then, but I did want Hayward back. <laughs> you did, but that's okay. I think a lot. You of like the Hayward to OKC move, Jimmy? Doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, I from OKC. <laughs> from OKC, sure. Why not? I mean, we Hayward still got a little bit left to play there. I mean, it, it, I think it's safe to say his career in, in Charlotte went a lot like his career everywhere else he's played. It was unfinished, right? I mean, it was injury marred. And unfortunately, he hasn't really been able to show his stuff since that injury, which we don't need to even talk about, right? So um, if if you're the Thunder, you get a guy who can still shoot. It's not like he forgot how to shoot. Um, What's his role going to be? How is he going to interact with um, SGA and, and, and that team there? I guess we'll find out. But for me, for, you know, if I'm if I'm OKC, why not? You know, they want to be a contender, and he doesn't need to be 
the number one guy or the number two guy on that team, right? I mean, he he's going to fit into his role there and slide in and give them some scoring in, in certain situations, and that's really really all they can they can hope for. It's a flyer. Yeah, that was one of my favorite moves of the day. I like Royce O'Neal to Phoenix. I think that fills a need when they didn't have much to give up. I uh, love the Bogdanovich deal for New York. Uh, How about this the one? Tillman deal for Boston. Eh, it's fine. It's kind of interesting. Two, two. Won't make my top five. I love, I love Damon and uh, you know Patrick now being teammates. Yeah, I, mean, I, I saw, I saw a clip of Pat Bev tonight on, uh, on the Bucks bench, just like ripping into the team, and like he had the, he had like the, the you know, the playbook in his hand or the, the whiteboard on, on, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, dude, like you just got that. Why don't you just like take a step back for a second? These guys don't probably even do like it you yet. So, so according to him, according to him, the Celtics were looking to sign him last summer. And I don't know the, after Grant and smart go out the door doing this kind of stuff, are they going to bring in another guy doing that kind of stuff? I know. I, feel I don't like know. He, he would probably rub some guys. Speaking of rubbing guys the wrong way, I feel like Pat Bev might be one of those guys. Plays hard. Got to give him that. He plays hard, and he's a good. I defender. like him on Philly. Yeah, I think there's a serious yeah. question of whether Doc obviously him obviously Doc's guy. You know, I mean Doc. I I don't think it's going to help Milwaukee much, but I think there is a question of whether Philly's losing something here, and they're going to bring in yeah. Kyle Lowry, obviously. But would you rather have Lowry or Beverly? Ooh, I'd rather have Beverly. Yeah, and they trade him to another contender too. It's interesting. Yeah, I'd rather I mean, have Beverly. I, and I don't like Beverly, but I'd rather have him over Kyle. And they get Kyle. Well, yeah, I'm not sure what Kyle has has left really, right? It, well, that's, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I, he's a savvy player. He can still do things because he's smart, but physically and scoring wise, he doesn't he doesn't bring the same uh, ability. Right. And you know, Philly's a weird team in all this, right? If Embiid's there, he'll. It's a dangerous addition alongside Embiid, uh, but if he's not there, it's like why is Heald here on an expiring contract, and you know what's Lowry doing here? So they're clearly putting together a team that if Embiid comes back can go on a little bit of a run, but how far do they fall while he's out? Does he come back at all? Those are still serious questions there. So you know nothing happened in this deadline, Jimmy, that I think scares you as a Celtics fan. In no, the nothing that was major, major NBA earth-shattering stuff. I mean. There was the LeBron rumors that were floating around, keep things interesting, but nothing to that level, obviously, and nothing really close. So it's, in my opinion, you know, the, the Celtics, they're currently at the top. I think it's, it's their conference to lose. Let's put it that way. Once we get to the playoffs and if they do make it to the finals, that's a whole nother story, but you got to like where this team's at right now, especially after another night of, we didn't, you didn't really get a chance to talk about him too much, Bobby, but we'll get into it another time. But Porzingis, they're getting him more involved now. And if they can get him to be that, like, I mean, man, he could be their first, second, third best guy on any given night um, just by using him more and giving him the ball and, and to say, hey, do your thing. It doesn't really matter where you are. Just be aggressive and shoot over the defender. If they get into that mindset, they're going to be a hard team to stop, um, you know, assuming they can stay healthy. So that's going to do it for us, guys. Again, we want to thank FanDuel. Uh, great sponsor of ours. Get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Bobby, I did get Sherrod's um, bet, uh, if you will, for Sunday's big game. He's going with the Chiefs plus two and a half. What is your bet going to be? I like the Chiefs. Uh, 
I, I feel like I just have to go Niners because it feels like the whole Ooh. world is betting the Chiefs right now. And there's got to be something. Public is on the Chiefs. Public is on the Chiefs currently. In an overwhelming way, right? So you, you look at that and you start to think, all right, what's going on here? Now, I hate giving up points. I would have loved Jimmy right away, right when the Chiefs won. They were plus three and a half. I think that was the magic number right when it came out. But, you know, again, there was an explosion of bets on the Chiefs. Uh, sure, there still are. So it's clearly going to be a tight game. It's clearly going to be a contested game. I think it's going to be a great one, you know, a memorable one between these two teams here. Uh, can Mahomes carve it out at the end? Can he have more magical moments here? Because they've really had a fight. You know, to win these last two games here, this Niners team's loaded. And I think people are overlooking that a little bit. People are probably overlooking Purdy a little bit. I think he's better than he's getting credit for. And their defense is a monster. I'm with as you. Well. I'm with you, Bobby. I'm going Niners. I think the Niners are a stronger team from top to bottom. The Chiefs, I'll give them credit. They've found ways to win in the playoffs. It hasn't been a strong Chiefs team this year. And I had Mahomes as my fantasy quarterback this year. He was he was mediocre, like as far as Mahomes. But they've been a different go. team in the playoffs. They have been, but now they're going to play a team that deserves to be there in the Niners. The Ravens beat themselves last week or two weeks ago. If the if the Niners can limit the mistakes and Purdy can limit the interceptions, feed Christian McCaffrey, feed you know Debo Samuel's another offensive weapon who can run the ball and and obviously a good catcher, a good receiver catcher. What am I talking about? Um, I just think that they're a team that's going to be difficult to, to take down. It's going to be close. It is going to be a good game. I'm excited for it. I will be hosting. Going to have some food going, so it should be a fun Guess time. Guess where I'll be. Are you going to be in Miami? Miami. You and Joe Sway are going to Miami. Yeah, we're going to have to find a spot to watch it. Of course, the Celtics are on at 2 that day, so join us for a post game right yeah, after. Yeah, so and... we we're going to have a nice run-up to the Super Bowl. We're going to have Joe, Joe Sway and Bobby live in Miami, assuming they make the game. I don't, and I'll be out <laughs> partying too hard Saturday night in Miami. And then, I have uh, never needed a road trip more. I'm looking forward to this one. You know what, Bobby? You deserve it. You deserve a road trip. How about that? So, yeah, you guys are going to Miami, and then what? Is it just? Uh, Brooklyn on Tuesday. Okay, there you go, Miami and Brooklyn. So keep it locked on CLNS. We will see you guys Sunday. Enjoy your weekend, and we will hit the outro. Peace. Hold up. That was the that was the intro. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Where's the outro, dude? Hold on. Here it is. Wait, Amit's got an outro for us, I think. No, he doesn't. He said he was going to work on an outro. He had a phenomenal game. Phenomenal game. <laughs> Corfords out. I, don't, I think it's an option. <laughs> that did not sound like a chair. It was a freaking chair.